0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Underrated and Overlooked podcast. Hope everybody's having a great week. We're excited to be here today. Jam packed episode. A lot to talk about. High school football world, of course. A lot to talk about as far as college hoops. Final Four is set now. We're giving our predictions on that and who we think is going to win it all. And obviously, we're getting some NBA action as the season winds down. Less than two weeks left of the NBA regular season. And also NFL news, major news, Lamar Jackson requested a trade from Baltimore Ravens being some free agency moves and deals, and then uh, we'll wrap up with some baseball. That's actually going to kick off uh, this week, March 30th. So, Craig, how you feeling today?
1: Feeling good. Uh, I think the basketball has been exciting, incredibly uh, compelling and shocking in some sense. But I think what we'll get into is this football offseason, these guys are getting after it. We're seeing some unreal track times, unreal weight room uh, lifts. It's just pretty epic.
0: No, I agree. I mean, these players are getting it in, they're getting prompt for next season. So, I mean, this should be very exciting. Guys are maxing out. And I guess we can go ahead and start there. I mean, Sammy Brown, we've both seen the video, uh, him maxing out at 545, four reps. Uh, Just what do you think of that? And just him continuing to build his strength, you know, from, you know, down below. And then also uh, having a pretty good track season as well.
1: He is unbelievable as a freshman you see a guy like that you're like okay he's a little mature beyond his years he goes straight out there freshman season he's playing both sides of the ball dominating but then you look at the bigger picture this guy's winning wrestling state championships he's winning state titles in the long jump he's anchoring the relay field he won a wrestling state title in the 285 pound weight class and yet he's one of the fastest guys in the state and then you see the way he was squatting, 545 for four reps, and he could have racked it up after that third one if he said no. And then you look at the the max calculations, 345 for four, that's right at 600 pounds. The only other high school player I remember seeing squat 600 pounds is Nick Chubb. He's up at, I think he went viral with that 690 or 700 one, um, but obviously he's a few years into his career, so Sammy Brown's this strong now. He's only going to keep getting stronger, and that's that's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, he's a five star for a reason. I just think the overall athletic gifts he has. He's a fierce tackler. He understands the game. He can run the ball well. He is a really special athlete.
0: Yes, he is, and I can't wait to see him in action this season for Jefferson. Um, they went to playoffs last year, came up a little bit short, but I think all eyes will obviously be on him as far as that attack um, and you know what they do offensively and defensively this year. So um, shout out to him, man. I mean, just a difference maker, and as you said, five-star for a reason. But what do you think of the news of uh, Malachi Tolliver,
1: Car- a Cartersville offensive lineman, leaving – well, not leaving, well, committing to uh, UGA? Big move. I really like that Cartersville's been one of – the most consistent outstanding programs you look at their offense last year they were lighting it up he was a huge part of that at the right tackle position I think he'll go in there and he's a guy similar to Sammy Brown you know what you're going to get they were talking about even after his commitment he was in that weight room because he knows what you sign to play at a school like Georgia you better get yourself uh, ready physically to compete for that role on the offensive line but I think that's what we're seeing with these guys that are coming to georgia right now you know what you're going to get with these guys i mean they are coming from established programs they played at the top level Uh, he's got great physical gifts he's already at 300 pounds only getting stronger he's working out at uh, velocity training in the off season you'll see a lot of these guys that know that they're going on to the next level training year-round at these places and the difference it makes is unbelievable when you have an offensive lineman that has the experience playing uh, in the big games on Friday night, but then he's on the, the treadmill, the treadmill, he's doing box jumps. He's pulling the sled. He's pushing the sled in the off season. He's doing the ladder work. You're getting a guy that has been working year round on just those little things. And that's what makes the difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, Georgia is definitely knocking it out the box with their recruiting class of 2024. Um, I mean, Got Sokovi White, uh Nequavis Carr, we talked about it, Landon Thomas, um, now you land Malachi Tolliver, potentially you could land Sammy Brown. I mean their recruiting classes is going to be exceptional in twenty twenty four. And they landed Peyton Woodyard, really good safety. Um and then I also in the in the um race to get D- uh
1: Dylan Rariola, top quarterback in the class. I mean, Georgia's doing a phenomenal job right now. I really love this class and yeah, they haven't had uh Sammy Brown commit yet. Honestly, I think Georgia fans would want him over anyone. Uh, If he adds to that class, it'd be pretty amazing. But you look at the other guys they have. You mentioned Sokovi White. He's a guy that's made an impact since his underclassman season at Cass, a program that's extremely on the rise. They played an incredible schedule last year. All the games were close and competitive. And it's just that speed with him and versatility. Same thing with Dwight Phillips, another athlete. He won the state title last year with a 10-4, 100 meter. He already broke that 10-3-1. That's the fastest time in the entire nation. So you bring in a guy that is the fastest track athlete in the country, and he comes into that locker room, you bring in a guy like Tolliver, who uh, we see what he's done in the weight room, it immediately makes everyone better. Right now UJ has the number one class of 2024, uh, not all their guys are from Georgia, but I think they are doing a great job at getting some really exciting players that they know are going to come in and just not only be able to provide a spark on the football field, but just the athletic gifts overall. I think that challenges everyone uh, just in the preparation for the season. For
0: sure. um, I agree. I mean, they're going to be dangerous. I mean, they already got a good recruiting class 2023. I mean, they're just adding on and, and getting really top talent and, they're already good at kind of cultivating that talent, and growing it, and, and, and getting the best out of it. So I think it's just going to continue to add for them. The
1: big question mark with Georgia, though, it's obviously going to be the quarterback. Yeah. I think yeah. defensively they're going to be fine. They have all these athletes. They do need to find some new pieces at tight end. Guess what? They secured that in the last recruiting class uh, with those pieces. But still got I Mark Bowers. Exactly. And yeah. so I think the depth everywhere is fine. That is the question, though. Who is going to step in in that quarterback role? It'll yep. be one of the more interesting things to watch in the years ahead. Yeah, is it is it Brock Um, You know, is it Beck? Like, who is it going to be? I
0: agree. I mean, that that's going to be the real question between those three and who's going to come out on top and who's going to be their yep. starter and how well he plays to start because you could see even that one season where they started to figure out, okay, Seth so Bennett's our guy. It was still unknown at that point because – You know, they played him, they played two other guys, but they weren't getting that consistent production. So you could even see Georgia pull the plug early if a guy, even if he's the starter, struggling the first couple of games and, you know, they're not able to win.
1: You could see that as well. Yep. And I think that's what they did with Stetson, too. It's Mm -hmm. they never – I mean, obviously, they committed later once he gave him that first national title, but – even when he was out there, they had in the back of their minds that they had options. Definitely think we'll see that again. And, yeah, they don't really have that question answered at quarterback, but also I think they've proven with this uh, formula that they've been able to do is just build a a great team and then hopefully you'll find your guy. Exactly. And um, last news for high school, uh,
0: Craig brought this up. Um, I seen yesterday I got tagged into it. Um, Big move for Sandy Creek, Dylan Darius, Smiley, who was the former Central Carroll coach. Um, as you guys all know, their head coach, when they just won the title, he retired. So just what do you think of the move and what do you think he's going to bring to that team? A team you said that was on 10
1: um, before he left, uh, before, when he started there and they even got to 8-4. So what do you think of that move? It's a huge move. And no disrespect to Central Carroll, this is just the facts. They have Carrollton High School right next to it. Uh, it's a city school a lot of the athletes are going to go there central Carroll struggled mightily before he got there they only scored 61 points in the entire season i think that was 2015 16 Uh, that's six points a game last year they were eight and four made huge noise in class 4a uh, scored over 400 points were lighting it up had a huge recruiting class he really took that program from the bottom you score 61 points in a season turned in turned them extremely competitive. Every coach we had on that played them said, that is a, a really tough team. They gave everyone a great effort. And then you go to Sandy Creek with all those athletes. Uh, we saw them take the football and basketball state title. They're in that great region. I think he'll go in there and it's definitely a great hire. No,
0: I mean, I agree. I think that's going to be a good move for them. It's to see how they um, defend their title this season. Obviously, Cedar Grove is going to be there again. Carver is going to be there again. So uh, they always have a tough region. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to work hard. I did lose some talent this year. Caleb was is gone, UNC. So be interesting to see what steps they take forward next year.
1: Yep, um, I think offensively, uh, scheme-wise, obviously he'll have a staff around him At Central Carroll, they ran the ball a ton. Uh, Sandy Creek was more of a, a passing attack last year. They did have to rely, obviously, on... Um, some great runs by the quarterback in that Cedar Grove game at the end. I just like the way he he built that program up. I think he's good at taking advantage of the pieces. There's a great foundation already at Sandy Creek, and I think it's just it was the right time. Um, Coach Garvin stepped down after a great run. He got them uh, back into the title. Whether or not it was controversial, or not I don't think it really matters. Just in the fact that they did uh, just compete extremely well, put themselves in that position, ended up getting the win, and at the end of the season, same thing with Coach Smiles. He he knew he, with all these coaching openings and vacancies, that he got the job done at Central Carroll and could potentially get a, a big job like that. I think it's gonna be great. Hey. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, and we'll leave it there, guys, for our high school news. Uh, that's kind of an update around the high school sports world as far as football. Um, a lot is going to happen in the next couple of months as we no, enter April. It's hard to believe it's already April, yep, Greg. Okay. <laughs> so um, we got we got big things coming up, guys, so y'all stay tuned to scoreatl.com. I mean, we got camps coming up. We got seven-on-sevens. Um, we got media days. We got okay. a bunch of stuff coming up um next season.
1: Corky Cal, 20 weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, 20 weeks. just so, <laughs> I mean, counting?
0: It, it'll be here before you know it. Um,
1: yeah. And the other big – yeah, Graham's not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the other big news, and I had to correct the record. Uh, I had been saying that Cass was going to play Kennesaw Mountain, but I learned uh, they had to change that matchup around. Now Cass is playing Rome, Uh so I just want to – hammer that point that's going to be the final game at baron stadium 8 p.m yep you'll get to see sokovi white uh tune that's in. going to be a good game yep. i
0: mean reese foul in sokovi white devin henderson i'm I'm really interested and before we move on guys i'm really interested to see how what steps forward i like i really like their tackle bear bear mcwater what steps forward does their quarterback take this year i think that's going to be essential to how deep they go um far as cast because they got the playmakers you're going to have Henderson they're going to use them most of the ways obviously on both sides of the ball then you got Sokovi White so they got a bunch of playmakers um for the quarterback just what steps he's going to take for I think it's going to be crucial to see how far deep they go out there in uh 5A
1: yep and they mentioned they're going to be scrimmaging Cedar Town, and then you brought up that they're actually going to get to square Milton. up with Milton
0: that's a good that's yeah. such a
1: good matchup for them because then they can see where they are and then they could
0: see you know, the things they have to work on. As he said, they're not going to keep score, but I mean, obviously we'll talk about in another day, but all the, all the guys they brought in, all that talent on that team, that's going to be a really good test for them early.
1: Yep, and all the close losses they had last year, yeah. one score loss to Mays, I think in the second round, they hadn't been there in probably 20 years. Uh, so yeah, they're having a, a great position uh, for next season and opening against Rome, uh, might not have been the original plan, but now that becomes a marquee matchup. The mm-hmm. whole state's going to want to see what Rome looks like, and Cass can come in and really put their product on display. I agree. But uh, we're going to leave it there, y'all.
0: Um, a lot to talk about as far college basketball, so we're going to get right into it. I mean, what was the biggest games that stood out to you, Craig? Obviously, I got a couple that stood out to me. Um, I bought this up, I think, too, to Graham, and I was like, I think – is different now. Like, the, the the top school and programs are not getting the top players anymore. Either they're going – I mean, you're seeing it more this year, obviously, in the 2023 class with Isaiah Collar going to USC and things like that, and then they're getting Ayrton Page and then Stefan Castle going to UConn. But more and more you're seeing guys go the G League Ignite route or going to the G League in general. Like, you see the Scoot Henderson's doing that. You've seen the um, Jalen Green's doing that, right? You're seeing those kind of players. the Jonathan Kamiga's doing that. So just what do you think overall of that? And, you know, do you think it's hurting the college basketball game? Because we saw, saw the comments about uh, what De'Aaron
1: Fox, who played for Kentucky, what he said that is unwatchable almost in a sense. But what do you think of that? I wouldn't say that. I mean, you could look at it. Let's judge the the TV ratings of this Final Four, and then you could base it off that. I mean, I think it's been exciting people – obviously aren't happy with their brackets right now but at the same time it it has been interesting and i think what stands out just what we've seen so far it's teams are winning in i'd say distinct ways that you didn't really see during the regular seasons like i looked at the miami win over uh, texas they went to the foul line like 32 times that wasn't the game plan that's just something you take advantage of and that's what you have to do that game Mm -hmm. um other teams that might struggle shooting uh in the alabama game or whatever then they come out the next next round and take better shots and have a big game uh season high in fact so it's just about the teams adapting so you don't really have that super team that everyone's just trying to knock off the ledge this season. Yeah, not at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that makes it exciting. I think fans of basketball, they might say that the quality of play has gone down a bit. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just basketball at the end of the day. I mean,
0: yeah, it is, and I mean, like I said, it's tough guys because you got nils, and what's cool for the players—they're making more money now while they're in college. So some are more even incentivized to stay. A good good uh, example of that is Armando Baycock. Like he's coming back to UNC. He's about to make five hundred thousand just the next year alone with all his endorsements and stuff like that, nil deals and things like that. But I would say, to a degree, yes. But I wouldn't say like it's unbearable, it's a game that's unwatchable. What you're seeing now more so, because like I said, three teams, this is their first ever appearance in the Final Four. You're seeing things like that now, right? The Kentuckys and the North Carolinas and the Dukes, they're landing five stars, but not at the rapid rate that they were. They're not landing the Zion Williamson's. They're not landing the Cam Radishes of the world. Or like those really, really top, top, big, big recruits, as it was before. Um, Kentucky's not having a, a Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, um, DeMarcus Cousins all on the same team, right? It's just different now. So, I mean, obviously that comes with it. Um, And like I said, if you want that not to be a thing, it has to be more, I wouldn't say of an incentive, but something more that kind of gravitates players from more taking the college route, right? Because like I said, now you have the G League route. You can go straight out of high school, go there, play there for a year, and then go to the league. So, I just think more, you know, maybe like, I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. But just like, maybe like, okay, hey, if you go to college, you got to stay here for three years. You know, that's what I mean more so. Like, got to stay here for three years before you can go to the NBA. And you can kind of more sure polish your game. You don't see it as much anymore. Like, everyone called Drew Timmy old because he's 22, which is normal. I mean, you go yeah. 18, you go four years, you're 22 by the time you graduate and you're done with But everyone calls him old because no one does
1: not anymore. That's interesting. So, I remember, like, with the, the Fab Five Michigan teams, they would talk about how, well, when they went there, they wanted to – like just have a special team so even though they didn't all play high school together they committed together kind of went in there as a class you talked about those big kentucky teams do you think that was just something that happened because they just attracted a ton of talent or was it a coordinated effort where they went there to commit it together we saw it with isaiah collier and arrington page but they were high school teammates but in college basketball now our top players from around the country communicating and wanting to go to the same place to to make a run—that uh, obviously used to happen. That's, I mean, that was the entire purpose behind the Fab Five. But I think we we will see it with USC next year. But they were high school teammates. So it's a little different, uh, yeah. a unique situation where. You have two of the best players in the country
0: yeah i mean i think not as much anymore um i think that just kind of came together the the, the kentucky yeah. one but i think like you said that one with uh Paige and obviously collier that was a great example i think those two obviously you know playing to play together but i think so i mean some are probably in a little bit of communication with each other but it's hard now like that's why i was talking with the cherokee coach the high school basketball coach like everything is just me era now me 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 all yeah. about me so no one really looks to be, like, committed to a coach. And like I said, it goes both ways because you got this player empowerment on one side of the spectrum. And on the other side, like, it's like, okay, let's say, okay, hey, I know you're a top player. You're number one in the country. I'm number two. Hey, let's go here. Let's, let's you know, turn this around. Let's do, turn around this program and go here. The problem with that is as soon as you see immediate success, the coach usually gets the credit. Not to saying that's a bad thing, but usually the coach goes and leaves. Like, more recent example, FDU, right? They made that little run. The coach gets the Iona job. So it's like, oh, I committed to the coach, but now the coach – whats not a bad thing, but yep. that's what's really going on. You know, if a team does well, you know, coach, it, it, it opens up more opportunities. And you're like, man, I committed to this coach for two, three years, now he's gone. And sometimes the other coach that comes in may not like your game or may may not be a – or may not like how, you know, you do things. So it's always that kind of ebb and flow, I think.
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing it a little bit at Colorado with Coach Sanders. And it's like if he's able to pull that off in – football. You'd think it'd be easier for someone to to do it in the college basketball landscape, build a super team. But as you said, it's more of a, I guess, an individual circumstance thing, but... Yeah, we haven't, there definitely does not exist that super team with no. all the prospects. I, I don't anymore. know if those days are young, but yeah, you used to be able to look at these Kentucky teams come out and you're like, Dude. oh, that entire starting five is going to go into the NBA Literally. next year. You yeah, can't it was say it was crazy. that definitively anymore. Nope. Maybe be
0: a couple of players on the team. But Um, Other games that stood out to me, as you mentioned, Craig, the Miami-Texas game. I got to give credit where credit is due. Jordan Miller for them was exceptional. He did not miss a shot, did not miss a free throw. He was perfect from the game, 27 points. Uh, He balled out. He played great. I thought Texas had the game won. They were up double digits with about eight minutes to go. I just thought they weren't getting enough good shots. I think they were taking more four shots. But I wanted to also applaud Rodney Terry. Uh, He did sign the five-year deal with Texas. I think that's a great signing. He was their interim coach. Um, I thought he did a great job with Texas getting them as far as they got in a really long time. Um, it's going to suck because he's going to lose some players, obviously. But I just think he did a remarkable job. I think he just came up short. I really had them going to the Final Four, and I thought they had a, a you know equal opportunity to win it all but obviously it's going to be tough um going next season but i think he did a great job with that that group in that program as you mentioned they beat the kansas states of the world the kansas multiple times they had a really good season a really tough conference
1: yep texas was relevant the whole year they came up just short yep. it's hard to beat a team that goes 28 of 32 from the foul line and also i thought miami just didn't force anything didn't really turn it over uh didn't even shoot that many threes i think they only made three or four the whole game they just attacked got to the foul line and then as you said made those shots if you're connecting at that percentage from the foul line and getting there that much it's just hard to overcome that so that is why i like miami just moving forward but i think that's the biggest difference yeah 28 of 32 that's gonna get much better than
0: that no I, i totally agree and then you know, for me, uh, another you know game that stood out. I was really shocked by the San Diego State upset of uh, Bama. I thought Bama was going to be a team that was going to be there deep as well. Um, but Brandon Miller had a tough game nine points, uh, eleven rebounds, but he shot really bad. I think it was one of the worst shooting percentages in tournament history. Um, so tough game for him in Alabama. But that game also stood out to me. And then FAU, they just never waver. Um, gotta say they are a fun team to watch. They play together. Uh, in their last win, they had four guys with over double digit points. So that's a team I think that they were down in that game. Same thing that Miami kind of did. Down the whole game against Texas. They were down the whole game against Kansas State. uh, Rode the ship. Never wavered. Stayed. Settled. And, you know, when his time attacked, they got back in the game and won.
1: Yep. Uh, FAU, it's been a a team effort for sure. I think the big takeaway in the last game, that Vladislav uh, Golden, their 7-1 center, Uh, He had a season high 13 rebounds in that game. He's not really your true center that it's like, they got four guards out there. And then this just big Russian seven foot one. Uh, But yeah, he has 14 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, He's dishing out assist as well. So I think they kind of just took advantage of what the defense was giving them. They started to get guys going and four guys in double figures, that's a, a good combination. But I thought he stepped up and had a bigger impact than he typically has that's huge for them going forward if uh, their seven-foot-one center can keep making an impact like that. And he's not getting in foul trouble. I think most fouls he's had this tournament is two in a game, so he's not even having to be that aggressive.
0: Which is a good thing. Um, And like I said, foul trouble usually hurts towards the end. You can't play as aggressive, and then you foul out, and then it makes a uh, strong impact on your team. So we'll see. And uh, to keep it going, my final four predictions, I think who's going to be in the title game, I'm going to go FAU and UConn. Um, I like Miami, obviously that's one of my favorite teams, but I just think Yukon's on another level right now. They haven't really been tested yet in the tournament. Um they've been, you know, rattling off these double digit wins and, and winning by large margins. They just blew out Gonzaga. But I just think they're on another level right now, and I think they're gonna um win it all. So that's why I got it's my pick.
1: Yeah, I watched the Yukon St. Mary's game. I was impressed with that. St. Mary's came out hot. Um I like him in that one. Jordan Hawkins. In the last game, he had six of ten from three-point range. Uh, that was his season high as well. Uh, that's a good sign for UConn to have a shooter start to heat up from distance. Six of ten's huge. He hadn't really been knocking down those shots previously in the tournament. Uh, will be an interesting matchup, though. So, who are you more confident in, uh, FAU or UConn, making it to the finals? I say UConn. That's just, that's just you
0: know, me personally. I just think they are on another level right now. And although Miami's really good, I just think if UConn gets a lead like how Texas has, they're not going to surrender that lead. You know, they they have, like you said, a really good shooter. Um, they got a really good star player. Um, they can get into the paint with ease, um, distribute the ball well. I, I just think UConn's on another level.
1: Yeah, I think UConn, I was looking at their schedule. They had a really tough loss. Uh, I think it was to... Seton Hall they were up 40 to 26 at the half and blew that game um, and then lost by one point you look at them since then I think that was a wake-up call in a sense every game's been competitive I think it's good for a team sometimes uh, to blow a big lead like that in the regular season Uh, you get into that locker room it is um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's time to face the facts and really come together as a team say how did this happen how did we let that slip away, and I think that was a, a big turning point for them. They've been unbelievable since.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally agree.
1: Uh, great point. Um,
0: but yeah, we'll see, man. It, it'll be a lot of fun. It's this weekend. Uh, it's at six six, oh uh, nine p.m. That's the first game, and then uh, UConn and Miami play um, at
1: eight forty-nine. So it'll be a lot of fun, man. I'll go FAU and UConn. Is that what you picked? Yeah. That's Dang what it! I All right, I'll, I'll have to go with Miami then. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'll I'd go think. with Miami. Uh, will they make more threes? Will they get to the foul line against the the big Russian? Who knows? We'll find out. It, it'll it'll be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Very very entertaining. But we're gonna leave that there, guys. We're gonna move to our third segment of the show. Um, latest in the NFL. And Craig, I'm gonna throw it to you first, man. Mm-hmm. Just anything mm-hmm. stood out to you? Um,
1: you know, just what do you think of everything that's been going on, prior to the drafting of all? I think we've been talking about the just the upcoming draft, all the mocks we're seeing, uh, there might be trades on the first picks, Uh, Bryce Young might go number one, might be three quarterbacks picked in the the top ten I think that's very interesting and then you look at the situation with Lamar right now it's just so crazy to me, you have a guy that his, uh, the Baltimore Ravens fans love him Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a team that I mean, no offense to Joe Flacco and stuff, but you have this guy come in and just play so exciting, lead you to a Super Bowl. Everyone's decked out in their Lamar Jackson jerseys. They're dealing with that. But then all, all the things we've seen unfold with the market, all these huge uh, contracts with Deshaun Watson, you're in a position where you're looking for the future of your quarterback, and then you have guys like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. That's the big question mark. Do you want a guy that's been proven, or do you want to maybe save money, take a chance, take a gamble? I think that's just the the biggest thing we're going to see. I don't even think they'll be able to get into one of those two, which is the
0: crazy part for Baltimore, even if they move on from Lamar Jackson because they're like late 20s. But yeah, as you mentioned, that's the key thing. Do you want a proven guy, or do you want to go in the draft? Which, Like I said, this is one of the deepest QB drafts we've had in a long time obviously 2020 with Burrow was really good Burrow, Herbert, Tua, Jalen Hurts that was a really good draft as well but this one I think is very deep um what I will say is um I think it's a little bit of both right so what you got right now is you got owners they don't want to pay fully guaranteed deals the Sean Watson thing messed that really up really bad because players are now like oh okay this guy hasn't played in a year and a half prior to that and he's getting a fully guaranteed deal. Now, obviously, they restructured his deal over the offseason, yada, yada. But he still got that fully guaranteed deal. But the problem is owners don't want to pay that fully guaranteed. They don't like that. I mean, obviously, you see it in baseball, guys that haven't played in years still getting paid. NFL does not want that, right? They don't want it like the NBA either where guys still getting paid and no longer on the team, right? So the thing is, for Lamar, and he requested a trade on March 2nd, it's like... The relationship's kind of been tarnished a little bit in the sense. Can it be repaired? Sure. The coaches already said this week that they want him back. The president said they want him back. The owner as well. But the thing is, Baltimore has never surrounded him with a true number one receiver. Now it was like, oh, okay, he had but he's had Marquise Brown. He's had Sammy Watkins, he's had Des Bryant. But when I say a true, he's had Devin Duvernay. When I say a true number one receiver, I'm talking about what Apache Mahomes has had in his career. I'm talking about what a Josh Allen has had in his career. I'm talking about what a um to attack of my has had in his career, um, a Justin Herbert. Like, you need a number one receiver. Lamar has yet to say that. Everyone says, oh, it's his play style. That's why those are. But if you look at his game, he's been playing more so, more so inside the pocket, right? He's never had a Tyreek Hill. He's never had a Jalen Waddle. He's never had a Jamar Chase. He's never had a um, – oh, I already said Tyreek sorry. He's never had a Stephon Diggs. He's never had Devontae Adams. He's never had a Mike Williams. He's never had a Keenan Allen. Like, we got to be serious when we're talking about things like that. So, at some point, you get frustrated And also, I mean obviously deals with he wants his money as well, right? But I say I think he's more valuable than the hundred and thirty three million that he put on his Twitter account that they offered to him. I think he's worth more than that. Obviously Kyler Murray got his money over 189 million guaranteed. I think he wants north of two hundred million, which I think he's well worth. He's been to the playoffs, he's won in the playoffs. Kyler Murray got that deal without even having won anything in the playoffs yet, right? So from my standpoint if I'm him, I'm Dak. requesting trade. Dak. I mean, that's another one. Two playoff wins in what nine years? Come on, guys. He deserves his money. What I will say though, no one's no one's talking about this. Everyone's like, oh, well, maybe you should go the Colts, the Falcons, um, this team, the team right now that should trade for Lamar, for Lamar Jackson. And that I know that heard did, the Titans too. The Titans too. And I know they said, oh, well, we're good at quarterback. We like what our Mister relevant guy did. The 49ers should trade for Lamar Jackson. That there would be the move that lands them in the Super Bowl. Why hasn't the 49ers have been to the, the NFC Championship game three of the last four years? They have not been to a Super Bowl at all. What has been the biggest downfall? Either the quarterback folds or doesn't come through when he needed most. Hurt. Or gets <laughs> hurt. Or gets hurt. Or something with the quarterback, right? Always think about that. Lamar has never had a team like that. They are deep on both sides of the both sides of their roster. Offensively, just go offensive line first. Trent Williams, you got George Kittle, you got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, right? Then go defensively: Nick Bosa, um, Fred Warner, right? Um, a bunch of studs, right? So he's never been in a situation like that. Not saying Baltimore hasn't had a good defense; they have, but recently, not to that extent. But that would be a team that if I will put it all on the line, and I told Graham the same thing. San Francisco 49ers. I know they like Mark Purdy, but you don't get much better than the MVP quarterback, guy that's 45 and 16 in the starts, 101 plus passing touchdown to 45 interceptions. You don't get much better than that. You want a guy that's going to take you there? That would be the guy.
1: That would be great. Here's what I just find interesting about the current situation they placed the franchise tag on him. What does that mean? That means if another team offers him the Ravens have five days I think to match it so it's going to require another team what if after all this because his stance has been strong I mean this is a business Um, I love you fans but this is just the reality now it's not about like we're looking at this market we're looking at all these other quarterbacks we just named but what if he ends up I don't know, like, doesn't work out this year, and then he just signs, like, a one-year deal and goes to San Francisco and then tries again next year. It's like, that would be crazy. That would Something's be Something's going to happen. Something's going to have to give. Yeah. But right now, he's waiting for a team to make that offer. Baltimore will have a chance to match it, and then we'll see. But if none of that works out, who knows? I mean, we might just see him say, you know what, like, yeah, this wasn't fair. I feel like I – Still deserve this long guaranteed contract. I'm going to work for it next year. I'm only 26, but uh, this team is going to be really good, and I'm going to prove to you what I'm worth. I don't know. I I think we could see a curveball. I really do. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. I wouldn't be shocked if we did see a curveball.
0: And like I said, at the end of of the day, obviously fans love their players, but it is a business. You see see teams all-time cut players that are past their prime or yep. uh, that's no longer, they think, relevant to the team. I mean, you see it every day. You know, Zeke Elliott getting cut from the Cowboys. They moved on. They love Tony Pollard. They're going to get another probably running back in the draft. Like, that happens all the time. So, if you are a player, you can only play for so long, y'all. I mean, he's 26. I mean, obviously, quarterback, you can play a little bit longer, but still, at the same time, you got to secure your bag. you got to be able to get it while you're young, you know. So, I mean, I think fans should be cognizant of that as well.
1: Yep. You look at the different types of quarterbacks and what they – kind of are signed to the franchise you have these veterans that are floating around signing these short deals the Tom Brady's Aaron Rodgers then you have this other class like the Kirk Cousins they're just kind of floating around but also getting massive deals then you have these super long contracts with guys that haven't yet won and it's like he's sitting there entering this market as a guy that his argument is well I deserve the top because abc but it's like some teams aren't thinking about like that you have a veteran voting around where they he's like okay one year deal two year deal and then i think so he's really going up against all these different types of potential quarterbacks you can bring in and it's just going to be interesting i would not be surprised if there's a curveball though
0: no i wouldn't be either but that's what makes the nfl entertaining obviously and uh We'll see what happens. Either they're going to work out a deal,
1: or they, he's going to be traded, or a team's going to come up to the plate and uh, offer something big. We'll because see. Because not playing is less money than playing at the end of the day. That's true. It, is, it might be unfair, but at the end of the day, he's going to have to sign somewhere. And the crazy thing is, if he signs the tag and,
0: and, and does it, the non exclusive tag is $32 million, and then if they do the regular tag, that's $44 million just for the year. Hmm. Not bad amount of money to make uh, just for a one-year deal. And like I say, he could do approve it or not. I mean, it's really up to him. And sometimes you get screwed out. Fortunately, like when Dak got hurt, he didn't get screwed out. He still got his long-term deal, even though he got hurt, put on that one-year deal. So, you know, obviously we'll see what happens. It'll be really, really interesting. But um, we're going to leave it there, man. We're going to move on to some NBA. Um, regular season coming down to a close. Um, we're going to actually pull up some standings real quick and then uh, see what kind of Craig thinks about the NBA as a whole. Yeah,
1: the hottest team right now, in the longest win streak is actually the memphis grizzlies after everything they've been through right now they won nine of ten six straight so yep. i think that's interesting and then what year did the nba start doing that the play-in for the playoffs that's that recently recent. that was
0: i'm thinking it was close to around covid i think maybe yeah, the year before right. or prior that was when the, uh, the obviously the play-in uh was real big and things like that but um yeah, I mean, the playing tournament's interesting. We'll go in the East first. I mean, right now, obviously, you've got the Bucs, uh, them and the Celtics are battling for that one spot right now, both on winning streaks. They're going to play each other, I believe, Thursday. So that team, whoever wins, they're going to get the tiebreaker between those two, which could be big and pivotal. Down the stretch, you've got the Sixers there, Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Nets, the Heat, the Hawks, the Raptors, and the Bulls. So What do you think about those standings? I, think I was
1: looking at earlier, what stands out, look at the home record records of the Bucks and the Cavs. And there's a distinct difference and yeah that tends to be the case you want to win that's how you sell tickets in the nba mm-hmm. maybe you dress out your players more you don't rest and those games are important but i mean that's a huge difference to, for how well those teams are playing at home mm-hmm. home court's going to be massive yep. we know how it works in the playoffs but yeah like the like what the bucks are doing i think there's a lot of pressure on the sixers as well uh, they've had some tough playoff outings in recent years. They've got a ton of talent. Uh, they're going to want to definitely have a strong playoff run and not waste all that talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they if they don't make a deep run, I think Doc Rivers is out, the, out as the coach. Harden has been rumored to go back to Houston um, in a lot of news recently, and obviously, um, you know, Embiid been right there in MVP race the past three seasons so uh, we'll see if he's able to win it all this year but um, obviously yeah I mean they're a team that's really talented that's just not been able to go over the hump so they're going to have to play regardless of who they play first round they're going to have to play either the Buster Celtics in the second round so they're going to have to be prepared and be trying to make that kind of you know that deep run
1: yeah who do you think's the toughest matchup in the east right now just in terms of the overall starters and who's going to be the biggest challenge in that field Say Bucks or Celtics, yeah, yeah. both. Any one of those teams.
0: I mean, I, Celtics are deep. They got Al Horford, obviously Derek White, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jaylen Brown. Even though Brown has been in the news recently, doesn't look like he wants to stay in, in Celtics Celtic uniform for a long time. Uh, so that'll be an interesting move. See what happens with him and his contract and things like that. But yeah, I think those two teams to me are the class of the Eastern
1: Conference, and I think those are the teams that are gonna you know make some noise. It could be yeah, tough. And obviously the Bucks have gotten it done recently. So yeah, probably the team to beat, but you never know. Nope. Uh, we'll see if anything shakes up. And I think the play on is going to be important for these teams. So uh, just to get into that uh, series part of the playoffs and give yourself a chance. Yeah, we'll see if our, our hometown Hawks can actually make
0: a run. Um, they're right now the eighth. So they would actually play the heat in the first uh, round of the play in they lose and they will play the winner of the Raptors or Bulls so we'll see if they can actually make some noise and get in the playoffs as well yep yeah that'll be intriguing but the West I think is more a little more interesting I think the East is really top heavy those three teams that we mentioned about the top um, but I think the West is really intriguing and interesting <laughs> even though people say it's a down year but just look at six through 11 look at the amount of games that separate them only two games separate six through 11 so I mean if you go on any losing streak you're pretty much done if you go going on a winning streak you can really separate yourself so um, at the top the Nuggets obviously the one seed we'll see if they can make some damage this year same thing really good home record along with the Grizzlies 32 and 6 32 and 5 um, I just have to see the Nuggets do it in playoffs I haven't seen that yet they got into a Western Conference Finals that one year against the Lakers but that was in the play-in I mean not the play-in that was in the uh, bubble so we'll see if they can make some noise obviously a lot of talent Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic who is another MVP favorite uh, Michael Porter Jr. really good roster and good depth so we'll see if they're able to make some noise actually this year and really make a run to the to the finals. But I think the I think number three is interesting. Kings. Um Mike Brown's been doing a really good job there with that team. De'Aaron Fox, the most clutch player in the league right now. Um got Shannon Sharp. Um they got a lot of good players on their team. DeMontis Sabonis, um, Kevin Herter, former Hawk. So I think they're interesting. The Suns when healthy with KD, Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Aiden is a really good team. I mean, they're interesting. The Clippers obviously just lost Paul George. Um, but they're going to be interesting um, when they get him back along Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's interesting. The Warriors right now struggling a little bit. Um, you know, still I think trying to find a dealing. Really good at home. Look at their road record though: thirty and eight at home, nine and twenty nine on the road. So terrible road record. That's but, crazy. Yeah, that's insane. But they're still waiting to see if. Um, Andrew Wiggins is going to come back. I think what's going to be interesting for them is the steps forward that Jonathan Camino continues to take because he's kind of playing in that Andrew Wiggins role, guarding the best wing player, and then being able to slash and get to the paint and hit down shots. He's going to be very vital and important for them in the playoffs, I think. And then you got the Lakers and Pelicans. Um, Lakers right now, um, they were actually playing pretty good. LeBron just came back, but they actually lost um, against the Bulls. So they can't really take too many more losses.
1: they got to start going on the win streak as well. But what do you think? absolutely well season ends on Sunday April 10th I think we're gonna see a great next kind of week and a half because that's gonna be an exciting play in for sure yeah with with those teams that honestly they they feel like they can make a big run they obviously have the proven track record the star power like LeBron all that but my question is with the Nuggets like I guess you could argue they're the the best team this year just with the win percentage. I'd remember like in a year where the Golden State Warriors are just head and shoulders above everyone else, there would be one team that kind of was their Achilles heel potentially. So who has given the Nuggets probably the most trouble this year, would you say? Mm, That's a good question. i say maybe the Grizzlies. Maybe they give them a little bit of trouble,
0: but... I mean, that's why I said. I mean, it's hard to say because the West is so wide open. Like, there's no yeah. clear-cut dominant team. Like, you may think Nuggets, but I could see the Suns giving them problems. Like, who's going to guard KD, right? Obviously, it's Aiden. who's going to guard Nicole Jokic? Uh, Aiden will be against Jokic. And so now to look at the Clippers, right? You know, who's going to be able to guard, you know, the Paul George, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world. Kawhi Leonard's going to guard some of the best players, wing players, um, Big players, obviously, in a game, right? So they they could be a problem for the Nuggets, too. I think Golden State, when healthy and whole, having their roster, their shooting poses a problem, I think, for the Nuggets. So and I think, believe it or not, I know this is crazy, I think the Lakers could be an issue as well. When they're healthy and they got D'Angelo Russell, they got LeBron, and they got AD, and they got the roster they got around them, they could be dangerous, too. The problem with the Lakers is... AD does not take enough shots. I don't know what it is with when LeBron comes back to the game and he plays 80 in their last game and their lost against the Bulls had eight total shots. And LeBron's absence, AD was going off for like, he was averaging like 30 and 14.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: That is the kind of AD they need if they're going to make a run. They cannot have AD going 15 and 8. No, that's not going to work. AD has to be the best player. It can no longer be LeBron. I don't know if they need to hash that out. I don't know if they need to talk about it, but AD needs to be the best player on the Lakers if they're going to have any kind of chance. It cannot be LeBron anymore.
1: Yeah, it truly feels like with the West, like these teams kind of all get the sense that it's wide open and have almost been waiting for the playoffs to really hit that full strength. Even look at the Nuggets right now; uh, they're five and five in their last ten, but with a four-game win streak. So that means they basically lost uh, five of six before yeah. that. So that was once they have the top record they're kind of on cruise control will they hit another gear uh that first round is going to be incredible after one of those teams emerges from the play-in and uh sets himself up for a chance after dealing with injuries and all that so i think the west is obviously going to be exciting i have interest in seeing what the hawks do uh, what the bucks do the sixers all that but in terms of the west this year it's definitely going to be more intriguing
0: for sure. That's what I said. I mean, the East, you kind of know what you're going to get. You know what you have. The West, though, is just really in- intriguing and interesting. And I think it's going to be one of the more exciting playoffs in the West in a very really long time because you don't know who it's going to be. Like last year you saw, nobody thought – everybody thought it was going to be either Golden State or it was going to be the Suns, right? Those two teams are going to go at it. No. Then you had Dallas come out of nowhere – upset the Suns down too well win the series and then end up playing Golden State I think you can see that across the board so (coughs) the Suns
1: can definitely catch fire
0: yes so we're going to leave our NBA talk there we're going to conclude the show with some baseball so yes guys baseball is kicking off this week Um, opening day is March 30th actually a week ahead uh, Craig actually last year it was April 7th so whole week ahead this year Um, it's going to be really interesting Uh, Braves are going to start the season against the Nationals Uh, we'll probably do some little updates here and there um, going forward for the rest of, um, obviously, the season. Um, just updates on Braves as far as just, you know, moves they make or, you know, people they sign, um, wins and losses, things that stands send, out to us. But they're going to begin with the Nationals. One of their pitchers, Kyle Wright, started the uh, starting the season on IL. Um, they lost last year in the Divisional Series against the Phillies, um, 3-1. to um, I thought their roster last year was better than the one they won the World Series with, honestly. Yep. But they just came up short. Yeah. Philly just kinda hit that streak. Like Philly like got in the wild card, upset the team, and then they got there and they just went, you know, crazy, got all the way to a world series, they ended up losing to the Astros. But Philly had a phenomenal year. Um and Braves actually have the second highest uh, World Series odds on ESPN, um, according to their power rankings. So that's a team yeah, to watch that, out for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh my top teams to watch out for this season, obviously the Astros. Um man, they've they've been in the last like either three, three or five. Or three or six of the last World Series, which is insane. Um, so they have a really good roster. Um, Padres. I mean, Fernando Tatis, Xavier Bogdart's, um Juan Soto, Manny Machado, who they just recently signed. I mean, their their bull, their, not their bullpen. Their batting is going to be incredible next season, and I think this is going to be kind of a down year. I think, for the Dodgers, and I think it's going to be for the taking for the Padres. And then three is obviously Braves, and then four is Yankees. They just signed Aaron Judge to that big deal, that nine-year, $360 million deal. Um, you got the Dodgers and then the Dodgers lost a lot of their talent. The Trey Turner is gone. Um, you know, So they're going to have a lot of young guys have to step up big for them this season. Um, the Mets, they got um, Justin Verlander, um, who's no longer on the Astros. So I think the Mets is going to be obviously another team to watch. And then the Phillies um, for me. And then my wild card kind of a team. I know not everybody, you know, is watching them, the Angels, but they got two of the best players in the game, right? When healthy, Mike Trout is probably one of the best baseballers, you know, ever, right? When he's healthy, 31 years old. And you got Shohei Ohtani, right? So it'll be interesting to see their depth in their bullpen this season for the Angels. But if you got two of the best players in the, in the game, I can't sleep on you. Um, You're a team, obviously, I got an eye on. I think that's going to be kind of my wild card team. Because, you know, every year you have a team that kind of comes out of nowhere, right? For NFL, it was Jacksonville. I thought Jackson was going to be good. Everyone was like, okay, this is Tennessee's division. I think the Angels are going to be that team that's wild card with two of the best ones. I think they are going to be the ones that can make a deep, deep run.
1: Yeah, and teams that make that wild card have historically made that noise. I thought it was interesting what you said, the, the second best percentage to, was it make the World Series or to win, win it? To win it, yeah. So, yeah, there's a ton of excitement around the Braves. Obviously, that World Series win was huge, a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last year, they had a great season, looked outstanding. You talked about all the young stars that were emerging on the roster, becoming fan favorites, uh, finding their home in Atlanta. And then they had a tough playoff series with the Phillies. But this year they sold out season tickets. Interesting. I think it's going to be massive crowds. It's a long year. There's questions uh, kind of finding that replacement for Danzie Swanson. They're going to start a veteran at first, but one of these young guys can come in, uh, play well in the infield, get some big hits, get accustomed to just this long season. I think we might see the Braves find that spark again, bring in these young guys and, just making an exciting run. I mean, they've been definitely one of the, the top teams. You mentioned the Astros, though. They've been getting it done. But I just think there's a lot of excitement around the Braves. Yeah. No, will be here sooner than we know.
0: No, I agree. And then actually no back-to-back World Series champions since 1998 to 2000 when the Yankees went uh, three
1: for three. So now, what? I was just going to say, what happened last year? Didn't they have a really strong comeback to clinch the division? Who? The Braves. I think they did. They like didn't they start were, the season well, yeah. yeah, and they came back. They, they were, like 500 away. around the all-star time, and then yeah. just Yeah, and caught they caught fire. the Mets.
0: Yeah. Yep, exactly. No, good point. So I
1: think they aren't afraid of the division, even if they're having a 500 start early on. They know they can make that run, but I think it will be a special season.
0: Yeah, any other
1: teams you got to try on? Well, I'll be interested in seeing what the Cardinals do with Skip <laughs> Carey. Uh, yep. We'll see him. I might try to catch some of his games and – listen to him but yeah i think the cardinals are always interesting and then the cubs of course hey, uh, they got the some of the braised pieces we'll see what they do um then the royals, royals. always got to pull for the royals <laughs> it's crazy yeah. though you look at so many of these talented players end up starting at the royals then get bought off or taken up yeah. by the yankees of the the leagues all these high-profile teams but a lot of good players have come through kansas city it's a good point
0: i agree that's a a good point but yeah guys that's all we got for you for today man jam-packed show uh heading pretty much uh a lot of those sports um obviously stay tuned for our spring sports tomorrow craig will be back for another episode on the ghsa drive for state title um and probably previewing more stuff i'll be back on thursday um very jam-packed show hopefully gonna have a couple guests on um and uh, Craig will have another show on Friday, so um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, we're live every Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube, so tune into that. Um, if you guys have any questions or you want us to hit any topics or you have an opinion on something you want us to talk about, um, definitely don't don't feel feel free to hit the chat box um, and feel free to DM us on Twitter. All of our socials are lo- linked below as well. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, peace.